Hi, y'all. I'm Bernie. I'm Nicole. And I'm Evie. And you're listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine. Happy New Year, y'all, and welcome to Season 2. We are hyped to bring you more real conversations with incredible women of color in medicine. Through this podcast, we want to tell stories about why our existence as women of color in medicine and healthcare not only matters, but is necessary to further encourage unique perspectives and experiences in health, well-being, and healing for communities in need. This season, we have a couple of fun additions. First, we have our new co-host, EVA. EVA, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, ladies. I'm so excited to be joining you guys as a host. I love being a guest host last season, and I'm looking forward to hearing the stories of so many empowering women of color in medicine in this upcoming season. We decided to kick off season two with a twist. For this episode, we'll be talking to each other as co-hosts about our unique journeys into and through medicine. We all encountered medicine in different ways, from bioengineering to community organizing to family hopes and dreams. As women of color from immigrant families, we hope you can learn more about us as hosts and get a glimpse more into why this podcast and work matters to us. Indeed it does. So stay woke, y'all, and thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, guys. Happy 2019. Happy, Happy 2019. New Year. Happy New Year. How are you guys doing? How are you feeling about 2019? Ooh. <laughs> I'm excited. I was like, there was a pause there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, excited. I feel like 2018 needed to go for a lot of reasons. Um, and 20, it's like a fresh start. And I always welcome fresh starts. I feel like I try to have a fresh start like every month, every week. <laughs> That's but when we do a new year, you know, I usually try to do, I t- try to have themes. So this year is my year of manifestation. Ooh, Last like year was my year of creation. Mm. So... Yeah, I like that. I think yeah. I was a little bit, a little nervous going into 2019. I feel like 2018 was a really good year for me. Uh-huh. Got into a school that I love and started medical school and started actually learning things that I really cared about. And obviously that's just going to continue into 2019. But I think there was just like a lot of excitement, a lot of great things that happened that year that it's like, oh, shoot, like mm-hmm. 2019, yeah. can you live up? Like, can you, <laughs> can you do the same thing for me? Like, I hope so. So there's a little bit mm. of like nerves i think for me starting off and just sort of mm-hmm. trying to figure out what my goals and things were but yeah it's it's starting off all right i'm, I'm liking it so far it's been a good year yeah only, mm-hmm. only a few weeks in but it's feeling good so far so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's amazing i mean like the weather even just the weather has been great in 2019 and like i'm really about like you don't agree <laughs> it was raining all last week. oh i wasn't here yeah you were in it. la oh, yeah. la that's here. what's up yeah <laughs> we rep yeah. la y'all yeah all of us we're all repping la right. but some of us came back to the bay a little bit earlier yeah the other two people <laughs> and had to endure some it was pretty bad yeah yeah i like, couldn't i didn't want to leave the house ever oh no but <laughs> but it's been beautiful the past couple of days that's, so yeah yeah so I'm still saying thanks. that the weather was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My statement stands. So, But no, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm excited for the new year. I feel like, yeah, ready to start fresh, ready for everything that it has to offer, the good and the bad. Good. They're both growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots yeah. and lots of growth. One thing I it always just like makes me feel kind of weird, but I always think of like, oh, what was happening in January 2018? And I was like, shit, I was in a completely different place, <laughs> like mentally, emotionally, like spiritually. Ooh, and you to know, I saw you January 2018. You were different. <laughs> <laughs> you were different. But not like you were a mess or anything like that, right. but you were just in a different Space. space yeah yeah but that's okay constantly changing constantly growing and i would mm. never think that i would be here like in like in the different mental state that i am mm. yeah. and it's obviously a better place i feel yeah. like so much growth has happened so it's exciting and scary to realize like what's gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah yeah where are yeah. you gonna be january 2020 yeah you know rotations all of us oh shoot yeah yeah <laughs> 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 all that excitement <laughs> Well, let's actually just no. talk about 2019. Yeah, 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 2019. yeah. Okay. This, year, this year was off to a good start for us all. Mm-hmm. That's really good to hear. I'm happy to hear that. So I'm really happy to be back with you guys and like see you guys. Yeah, yeah, so we're excited. We're so excited to have you as a co-host. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I'm excited to spend time with you guys and spend time with other amazing women of color and learn from them 
and grow with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just like so much, mm-hmm. so much to be learned right. every time yeah. mm-hmm. we're together. Yeah. yeah. So thank you all for having me in this space to share it with you. We got and, you. Like, to share stories. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> we're ready so, for this. Bernie, do you want to start us off and tell us a little bit about your life, your yes. journey to medicine? Let's do it. Oh, man. Medicine. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess just like an overview of like who I am. So again, um, people call me Bernie, but full name Bernadette. And that really comes from my mom naming me after her very strong, like Catholic faith, St. Bernadette. And so I come from a family of Filipino and Chinese immigrants and grew up in the greater LA area in an area that was mostly Filipino and Mexican immigrants. So it was just always like a party (laughs) everywhere we went, have the best Asian and Mexican food every time I go home. And, um, you know, every time I'm home, I'm also reminded of just how crazy it is that as I've gone to different places, whether that's in high school, you know, went to a school that was 45 minutes away and that was predominantly white, went to Harvard for undergrad and college, and just realizing, comparing that to a lot of the communities I grew up with, and inevitably um, noticing a lot of different life experiences, and noticing that um, a lot of the things that, for example, my family went through and are currently going through, whether that be different um, life stressors or different moments of triumph, like just the level of what those things mean to my family, my communities back home is different to other people. And that's been such a huge learning experience. Um, And it's been a huge eye opener. And um, one thing I've realized, especially coming from where I've come from and then traveling to high school, you know, 45 minutes away and then going to school all the way on the East Coast with like no support system at all is realizing that there is a lot of inequity that happens in a lot of immigrant communities and that manifests itself in, you know, a lot of different ways. And, you know, once I was able to fully grasp that and always compare that and gain the language to do that so... Um, I feel like really in college is when I really began to seriously think like, oh, wow, like medicine really is for me. And I really started to think about it through like this um, inequity kind of social justice lens, kind of like, why are people here in this ivory tower like theorizing about like poverty and class when a lot of like communities back home were actually living it, but they weren't being represented in these institutions. And so I was like, This is crazy. And it's also interesting, though, because, you know, those classes. um, So I was a I was was I I was a (laughs) joint concentration. Yeah. At Harvard, we had this whole like we call it majors concentrations. But anyway, um, I had a joint concentration in human evolutionary biology and women, gender, sexuality studies. And I took a lot of also like ethnic studies, African-American studies classes. And actually my women's studies classes really gave me the language to describe a lot of the things that I have always have felt was always that tension when I would inhabit different places. And so like, for example, like I remember when I first learned the word like intersectionality, and I was like, oh shit, like this is really what like I've been feeling like I'm not just like a woman and I'm not just like Asian American, like I'm really at the center of all of these different identities and that's what uniquely makes me, but also like puts me at a different social position um, politically and as I move throughout the world. And so a lot of what I learned in college helped me understand, you know, the inequities I faced when I would drive from my home to high school, when I would go home from Harvard, um, and I would see like things like mental health, chronic disease, you know, always be um, encountered by like my family and a lot of my friends and, and communities around me. And so that made me really like, yeah, that made me really angry. <laughs> and so for me, um, bef- I always identify myself not first as a medical student, but actually as like a creator and a warrior. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, again, like just my, what gives me energy and what gives me fire is um, being able to like put things into just like action and believing that 
like my ideas like I don't have to depend on anyone to to put forth change in the world so a lot of what I did um, in college was community organizing and that started with um, founding Women Speak which is the nonprofit organization we founded in 2014 with four of us who were high school friends and you know this was honestly just like out of a desire to create a more radical a uh, woman of color centered Girl Scouts for <laughs> <laughs> for young women to talk about complicated intersectional issues of gender identity and social justice. And we started in LA in 2014, and we had this model of like conferences. But then people were like, "Oh, we really want to like um, have more regular conversations about this." And so then we just like through as as um, like Skype and Google Hangouts and Google Drive, like we really use that to our own leverage and um, we were able to scale to like different colleges and high schools and like older women would hit us up and like younger, like middle school women and we, and we would just like welcome so many people just using our platform as a way to um, gather together and just talk about these issues before like Me Too and the Women's March was like a popular thing and so that was like super encouraging to me, but also um, was also super involved in like Asian American feminism at Harvard. Um, and this was especially um, with the rise of Black Lives Matter and really interrogating to myself, you know, what is my responsibility as a person of color to this um, movement that's happening? And so I thought about that a lot and I got really involved in a lot of organizing and campaigns and um, but what ended up happening too was that I just got so bogged down in the pessimism of it all and I got so like overwhelmed by like the injustice that was happening in the media and it really like overwhelmed me and like even running women speak like that was awesome but th there was also parts that were just so draining and like the bureaucracy was a lot and so that really leads again to why I chose medicine because I come in with a community organizing background but what I find um, energizes me the most, especially community organizing, is again, talking to the girls during our leadership conferences and realizing like, this was the first time where they were asked, you know, what do you want to learn? What do you want to actually create? And um, for me, like that one-on-one -on -one interaction is like critical to my survival. Like to think of these complex issues like, um, gender justice, racial justice, you know, socioeconomic equality, like those things are so big to me that like I have to remember what it means to be grounded in my community and the people who raised me and what it means to be human. And so for me, medicine is like every time I'm with a patient at Highland and I get to be a witness and bear witness to that vulnerable moment, like I remember, I like don't take that for granted, and I remember like this is what makes us human because I'm here to care for you, I'm here to be there for you, I'm here to listen to you, and so that just gives me so much energy. And I feel like when we, w as a community organizer, when you just think of all these bigger problems, it tends to really bog you down. And so through the patients I've met, through the people. I've met through Women Speak and so many, of the, so many of the other justice work that I've been doing. It's like this, like this beloved community that we're creating. Like it's intangible. It can't be like spoken to to funders. Like people try to quantify it, but it's like you just gotta feel it. And I feel it. And I'm a Cancer, so that's probably why I feel it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I really think medicine has that huge power again to, you know, even beyond, uh, I have feelings about, you know, Western medicine's <laughs> way of really seeing healing. And I really am just like, um, I see medication as like, and, and, bi and biomedical interventions as like a way, but the way it's been framed as the way, I like really don't agree with. But again, I just really do feel that, especially in this society, there needs to be people with my insight and my groundedness who need to be in positions like being a doctor, and that means a position of power to really acknowledge and bear witness, bear witness to um, a lot of the suffering that has happened and 
a lot of the suffering that is actually being done by medical institutions and we need people um i think yeah i think we need people like me to actually call medicine out on a lot of the injustices that it does and call it out on ways that it can be better and more inclusive and more welcoming and more celebratory towards what it really means to heal people. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was so long. No, that was, no, long. It was great. <laughs> it was very inspiring. Thank you for sharing your, yeah. your story. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. And uh, Nicole, yeah, would you like to share a little bit about your story too? Hey, yeah. Um, so I think it's also similar to yours, where like I had this revelation at some point about, wait, this is my background and this is who I am—an intersection of all of these things—and I need to be in medicine for that reason. Um, and so for me, uh, I went to high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I grew up in a family where people, uh, we had like mixed status. So some people were undocumented, other people were citizens. And that was really rough growing up to see the discrepancies that exist in that and like access to different things that people had um, just based on documentation status. Um, And so going to college was always kind of like the thing that we wanted to do because that's the reason why my parents came to this country was to give us the ability to have an education. Um, and, and so we really worked hard towards that, but at the same time, didn't have the mentoring necessary for college in high school. Um, because we ended up in this really weird gap where my parents worked really hard to like get us into these really great schools that were like 45 minutes away from where we lived. But then that what happens there is that the resources that get to the schools in our neighborhood don't get to these schools. And so you have this gap in mentoring and this gap in like, how do you get to college? What are the things that you need? This and that. Um, And so that was like really missing. And I ended up graduating high school and went to community college. Um, Still had no idea what I wanted to do. So tried anthropology, did bio, did psychology, did political science, like literally my transcript from community college is longer than my from like four years like once i transferred just an engineering nerd no and so (laughs) i realized i wanted to do bioengineering after i took a physics course and a computer science course and i was like i really like these things these are like really exciting to me (laughs) wouldn't be me (laughs) wouldn't be me um and so that's when i decided i want to do bioengineering and ended up transferring to Riverside, UC Riverside. And there, um, it was a really great experience that I had there. It was a small college and I picked it on purpose for that reason. Um, I got really close to a lot of professors and my classmates, like it was 60 of us in our graduating class for bioengineering. And so it was really awesome. I got to do really great research and got really into research and was like, maybe I wanna do a PhD and really go down this route and create something. Um, was really into like biomaterials and prosthetics and all of these things like robots and really wanted to go down that way. Um, but also there was always this part of me that was like, I was really into mentoring because I realized how much I needed that in high school. And so throughout this entire time in community college and in my um, transferring to Riverside, I I was always really active in different mentoring programs for the children that were close by in the communities and stuff and really um love that one-on-one interaction with people and wanted to continue doing that um so i went to go do research on the east coast for a couple of years and there i continued doing like very biophysical research um like yeah like atomic force microscopy stuff so like very like (laughs) we are like talking about like measurements of velocity and acceleration and transferring it to like how does go, the cell go, actually go. feel this and wow. that kind of stuff? And so it's very, very focused. And I realized that I kept looking for that interaction, kept looking for that one-on-one. So I did mentoring there as well. And also like did community service, involved myself in a bunch of like different things in the community. And um, my, I was like, someone suggested like, why don't you just shadow a physician? And so I did. And when I was shadowing, um, it was a really great experience. And I think the turning point for me was this particular patient that I saw that um, had a tumor and it was a pediatric patient and his parents kind of didn't show up for a couple of months because they were scared to come to this place 
because uh, they were asking for documentation. And um, the cancer grew and um, just seeing the outcomes of that just felt really real to me. And it felt like how I said at the beginning, like I need to be in these places to make certain things, not barriers, um, really just kind of bring things together that like I understand from my experience growing up. Um, and so for me, that really changed everything. And I did the post back here at UCSF for a year. And that was a great experience because that really brought me back to my interest that I started community college with, 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 which was anthropology, really going back into that kind of study and really being like curious about what was going on around me. Um, and also learning from a lot of my post-bac classmates at that point um, about what their passions were, what they learned in different majors and really like discovered this new side of me that was not at all related to bioengineering. And I really loved that side of me. Um, and so, yeah, and then applied to medical school and did that whole process. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's very similar. Like I, I feel like I need to be here. I have certain experiences that brought me here. And I really love that you can change somebody's life um, by just listening to them. And I think that like just being human with another human is so powerful and like holding their space. And I think that holding it in a particular way that like is healing, um, that is also not like taught in medical school. It becomes kind of like, oh, like this is like a pearl that we have for you kind of like sidestepped. But really it's like, that's the core of what we do is like creating the space for this person to feel heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that I feel really lucky to be able to be in this position and to be able to learn, like not only like learn what, like that things that really interest me, but also learn about people and their experiences. Mm -hmm. yes. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Wow. Robot velocity. I know. If only you guys could see my face as she was talking well about stuff. I was just like, wow. You know? That's dope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot of things, which is really cool. Thanks. Um, so I guess I can share my story, too. I feel like my story is so different from you guys's, But, yeah. So I guess I – just a little bit for you guys to know about me, daughter of Nigerian immigrants. So – uh, a little fun fact about Nigerians, they really value education. So like education was always like pushed on me like since I was really young. I remember my uncle saying to me at like four years old, like, you're going to be a doctor, right? You're going to be a doctor. And I was sort of like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what other things there are out there, like doctor, astronaut. You know, I feel like kids are sort of given just like maybe 10 or so things that they can be. And they don't really <laughs> know like what else is out there. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was always something in the back of my mind. Um and to me, it seemed like a pretty cool thing. You get to hang out with people, talk to them about their problems, and fix their problems. And like, for young EVA, it's like I loved helping people. Like, yeah, you have an issue, come to me. Like, I want to be that person to help them. That's and I cute. think a part of that is still like has persisted on. But yeah, I was I was actually thinking about like last summer, right as I was getting ready to go to medical school and cleaning up things in my apartment and stuff. I found this old journal from when I was nine years old, and it said like. Like when I grow up, I want to like finish high school at this age, finish college, go straight to medical school and become a doctor. Like I was like, oh wow, like I didn't realize like how much of what maybe what people told me that I should do had like really implanted and like stayed in my head because I was like a nine year old saying like I'm gonna finish medical school at 22 and I'm gonna like or whatever, not 22, but you know what I mean. Like mm -hmm. um, how much that sort of ingrained in me. Um, but I definitely feel like in Middle school and high school, I really, I like science. I like enjoy learning it. A part of me thought like, okay, well, I don't really know what's in the science world other than, mm. I guess you could be like a researcher, but that was never really interesting to me because I wanted to interact with humans. So I was like, okay, like medicine had always sort of been there. But I think there was always a little part of me that thought like, am I doing this because I really want to do this? Or am I doing this because this seed was planted in me when mm. I was like really, really young? Mm -hmm. And because I did really well in school, like, in preschool and like elementary school. Um, I feel like when you're a young kid and also I was the only black student in my class from age third grade to eighth grade and I was like one of the best students and I feel like when people see like a young black child thriving, they want them to like, oh my gosh, you're doing so well, like stay on this path, follow this path. 
and actually just finished reading um, Michelle Obama's Becoming, Bernie lent it to me, but mm-hmm. like, she mentioned sort of what it's like when you're going down a path and like how you don't want to swerve off the path when you get so much reassurance as to how you're doing well on that path that it's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to do anything that's going to make me go off this path because I'm getting so much um, just like, just so much affirmation that what I'm doing is right right now. So I definitely felt like, okay, like I should just keep going down this path. So a part of me was thinking like, okay, is this what I really want or is this what other people have made me do mm-hmm. or not made me do, but have mm-hmm. just sort of like thrown at me. Um, but I think like in high school and college or like towards the end of high school and college, I realized that it was something that I did really have a genuine passion for. And that was because of my mom who worked in caregiving like and so my mom her name is empress she's amazing um (laughs) super amazing yeah she's just like one hell of a woman um but i would just see her interacting with patients a lot well not as much in high school because i went to boarding school but like i reflected on it a lot in high school because i was in boarding school and away from her and just i thought about like how i grew up with her and in middle school i would um sometimes go with her to like see her patients and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I would just see like how much she loved them, how much they loved her and just how much her presence changed the quality of their life and just sort of like what healthcare can do for people. And like, there are so many things like (laughs) that can affect the quality of people's life. Right. And um, in terms of access to care and things like that, and financially just like accessibility for your wheelchair, like if you're in a wheelchair, things like that. Um, And I just saw how much she was able to change their lives and just like what, the healthcare system, the good that it can do. And I think I was sort of inspired by that. And also like the really cool thing about medicine that I I think I discovered like once I was in college was just that like when you have this relationship with a patient, and I think this is like something that's so important to me, like you get to know them as a whole person. Um, well, not every single doctor's doing this, but like I really valued that about medicine that it's like, yes, there's the whole like biomedical, like, okay, this is your disease. Oh, this medication can help you treat it but it's like no there's so much more to the person Mm -hmm. um and I think like the story of the person is like the most critical thing and I think like Mm -hmm. everything is contextual like Mm -hmm. this symptom or this like whatever illness that's going on it doesn't mean it doesn't really mean anything unless you can put it in the context of the person and like Mm -hmm. what's going on in their lives um and I think that's always like ask my friends whenever my friends are telling me stories I'm always like interjecting every five minutes or interrupting every five minutes to be like like wait tell me like what time of the day was this like where were you where were you standing when this happened because like (laughs) for me like I need to like I feel so bad for interrupting I'm sorry but like I like need to really like put myself in that person person's shoes and like Mm. really see things as they see it because Mm. I think like when you can see what's happening to them, like as they see it, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that full story, mm-hmm. then you're just like, you're just making, you're making things up as mm-hmm. to why things are happening to them mm-hmm. or like um, how it's affecting them. So I think what really excites me um, or excited me about medicine was that I have the chance to get to have a one-on-one relationship with someone, get to know them well, understand their symptoms or whatever is going on in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, and see what I can do to help like relieve any burdens for them. Cause mm-hmm. it's not just about like giving them the medications. Like right. you're sort of saying also like the integrative medicine component, yeah. Bernie. Yeah. I think that's so important. I think there's so many other ways that mm-hmm. we can help people overcome whatever things that they're battling. That's mm-hmm. not just prescriptive. And sometimes that is just creating a space for them to share their story. Mm-hmm. to figure out how you can help them, how you can connect them with social work, how you can, there's like so many things that are affecting people's health. So mm-hmm. I thought that was more than like the sciencey part, although I did like that. I think just knowing that I could be in that position of power to help people's quality of life beyond just their, whatever their illness or whatever they're going through um, and just help them in that like social level too. I think that was always really important to me. So, or like that's that was important to me, but I think I never really knew how to like, put that into words like my friends would be like why do you want to be a doctor it's like I want to help people but like <laughs> not just like you know I know like mm-hmm. the, the most classic I want to help people like what everybody <laughs> says and I was like trying to figure out like what how I felt it was different from just what people were saying and it was really getting to know people in the context of their their lives and mm-hmm. yeah doing my best just to improve their quality of life from many different aspects not just from whatever like disease they may have yeah but woo, let me tell you getting through getting to that space mm. i mean like i said only black 
student from third grade to eighth grade in my class, which at the time I was sort of like, oh, this is normal. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, this is so not normal. Like as I went to high school, there was, I think five black students. And I was like, wow, so many, like still not realizing like how little it was until I went to college. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it, this is like a, this is a whole new world, you know? Like, <laughs> brand new. Like, this is, like I did not even know, like it could be like this. And then looking back, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, this is how I <laughs> was just made to believe mm -hmm. that like, or like, I don't know, I was just sort of told like, this is normal, this is fine, like this is okay. And it's mm -hmm. like, this is not okay. We need more mm -hmm. um, black students, black women in like higher education in um, like other professions like this. And this, mm -hmm. so I think I was also really inspired in college. Like, you know what, I, I do wanna do this. And I think it's important for people to see themselves, obviously like for younger people, for other like black women to mm -hmm. see like, oh yeah, like, that's another black woman in medicine doing this, doing that, like helping communities, mm -hmm. um, listening to us, listening to our stories. Mm -hmm. So that also became really important to me. Construction, man. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But college, that was a struggle. Well, college wasn't a struggle. Pre-med courses, the pre-med culture. Yes. Of, I also went to Harvard with Bernie. And ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, heavens. But maybe that's a group discussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, medical school, the past, I've only been in it for a semester, but it's been really great. And I feel like I've really found a good community. And I feel like um, a lot of the same things that I value are valued um, at my school. And I'm just really excited to continue on this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think we forgot to mention, y'all, we are all at UCSF School of Medicine. Um, me and Nicole are at the Joint Medical Program, which is a five-year program with UC Berkeley School of Public Health and UCSF. And then EVA is on the traditional UCSF School of Medicine pathway. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's why we're all here and we're all chilling. And we're going to be dope doctors, y'all. I really want us to like go back and listen to this in like ten years. I know, and the answers still better be the same. I you know, know I mean? if we change, if this changes us, this, like these institutions <laughs> change us, mm. where this is no longer integrative medicine. Yeah, like do you think they're gonna change us? They change a lot of people, mm -hmm. mm. but I don't think so. That no sleep that during clerkship true. stuff true. that changes <laughs> someone. No sleep changes people. That's very true. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. No sleep, like no food. No mm -hmm. food will really change me. I better have a nice <laughs> lunch break <laughs> when I'm on these vacations. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm crying. Um, but you had, you had briefed on the obstacles. Like, it wasn't easy getting here. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. I feel like um, there's a lot of competition in pre-med courses, I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys felt similarly, but it definitely felt like dog eat dog, like we can't all make it to medical school, so <laughs> I'm not gonna help you out. I remember there was this one class where they wanted us to do like some pre-work, but it wasn't even graded pre-work and I had completely forgotten about it. And then I was asking someone, I was like, oh, like what was, I was trying to do it quickly before it started. Once again, it wasn't even graded. It was just like something that we were supposed to do just as a point of discussion and I was like oh wait like what was this like I'm sorry I thought it was this answer like do you think that's right I'm like oh I don't know and then like turn to somebody else and like whispering <laughs> about the same homework mm -hmm. assignment I'm like like this doesn't hurt you at all so mm -hmm. I definitely felt like a spirit of we can't support each other um like only I can grow or like like if I grow then you can't grow I don't know I just I didn't like any of that yeah. so that was hard and definitely made there was, I don't know, a lot of pressure because I felt like, at least mm -hmm. at Harvard, they're sort of, they tell you to like, apply to this many schools or like, oh, you know what, your grades aren't good enough. I remember mm -hmm. one of my mentors told me that I had to choose between doing research and volunteering at the homeless clinic um, because I need to either present myself as a humanitarian or a scientist. And I was like, <laughs> um, oh I'm going to keep working in your lab and I'm going to volunteer at the homeless clinic because that's important to me. I don't understand why I have to choose one or the other. That's crazy. Um, so like weird things like that where I was just like, why are you not supporting me volunteering my time? Like, mm -hmm. why would you not want that for me? Why would you not want mm -hmm. that for the community? Like, why do you think that your research is so much more important? Mm -hmm. um, so things like that where I was mm -hmm. just like, what? Mm -hmm. Is this what medicine is supposed to be about? Like, yeah. this doesn't mm -hmm. feel right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally identify with that. And actually, I remember 
Um, Ellis One A. That's a. Um, oh, I didn't even take Ellis One A. I dropped oh. out to LPS. Isn't it LPSA? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, that's sorry. like <laughs> Harvard, like <laughs> intro, pre-med intro, intro biochem, intro chem. Yeah, bio? it's usually like the know. first yeah. course that you take as like a pre-med, and I remember. Yeah, I I took Ellis One A, but. I remember I failed my first midterm and it was like devastating. I like got like a 30 and I I don't even know how to like comprehend that because I was like, oh man. And um, I had to drop that class because I couldn't even finish the first homework assignment. I was like, I don't understand what this yeah, is even asking. It's, it's crazy. I was like, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. I need yeah. to switch into something else. And I feel like, yeah, I just, so for, for all of the non-science people out there, like, if you talk about like having difficulty enjoying science like that, I'm definitely that person. And I still continue <laughs> to be that person like throughout college, like would get, yeah, like C's, B's and would, yeah, be told by several mentors like you do not have the grades to go into medicine because like it's so competitive. Everyone always has like perfect GPAs mm-hmm. and like perfect MCAT, perfect MCAT scores. Mm-hmm. And it was always this thing for me where I'm just like, I know I need to be there. I'm just going to like do this shit <laughs> and like do whatever it takes to survive. But like, I know that like, like me, f- like moving electrons with this organic chemistry <laughs> shit is not going to make me a good doctor. I, I always enjoyed that stuff in theory or like it was actually fine for me to doing, doing that stuff. But then whenever they would test me and then I would not do so hot and I'd be like, oh, dang, like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, like, I thought this wasn't that bad, but yeah. apparently, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. yeah, there's a lot of that. I think it is a point to emphasize, though, that, you know, pre-med curriculum, like, I don't remember calculus. I don't remember a lot of orgo, and that stuff does not come up. It's so irrelevant. Yeah, yeah it's so irrelevant in medical school, cur- school curriculum. Like, none of that is going to define, like, even how you approach, like, medical education. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that we learn is, like, on a completely different level. Honestly, more enjoyable, like you said in the beginning, because, like, at least you get to put systems together. But, you know, even for me, like, it's still hard for me to, like, see, (laughs) like, sometimes to, like, be in discussion about, like, the liver and the kidney (laughs) and, like, learn about (laughs) these biological processes. Like, I, like, don't find too much enjoyment out of that. I mean, it's cool, but, like, there's only a certain limit. Like, I can't do... (laughs) (laughs) But... I think what's so interesting too though is that as a medical student you get you are literally learning a new language and um like over the break my grandma had a huge fall and um after her fall she had these like stroke-like symptoms um and I was like very concerned and so I had to take her to the ER and like kind of be this medical translator between the doctors and the nurses my grandma who only speaks Visayan which is a um, Filipino dialect and then my family um, and it's so amazing that the type of stuff that I know just has like a second year medical student and you know thankfully she's okay and it wasn't um, a stroke or a TIA which is a trans transient ischemic, ischemic attack <laughs> <laughs> but it was an unaddressed UTI and so there were just a lot of different like lab tests and like Um, blood tests that I had to interpret between these three people and also just advocate for the transparency of her care to the doctors and nurses because they weren't telling us the full story but because I had this language of medicine and science that I could pull out and that I was learning um, I found that for me as just like an amazing advocacy tool that like um, frustrates me but also like gives me purpose so I'm just speaking to like all of the non-science people out there (laughs) that like like finding purpose and like reason to still pursue medicine is such a worthwhile endeavor like we need again more people out there to translate and to advocate Mm -hmm. but yeah it's hard it's hard honestly like knowing what I know now I probably wouldn't even majored in a science concentration Mm -hmm. because honestly like once again like the sort of prescribed path that they have for you like do this do this and do research in that and do it's like honestly I mean yeah it might look good on your resume but there's plenty of people who go into medical school who don't do any of that and I feel like that probably having the like humanity side and you know knowing how to talk to people and like think of other things like I think like sociology anthropology that type of things like how uh 
other things are impacting society and impact individuals, I think that's so much more crucial than knowing, you know, like you said, pushing the electrons around or things like that. Like, yes, it's important to know like some things at a basic level, but mm -hmm. there's like so much more to being a doctor that, um, yeah, that they just don't tell you or mm -hmm. like they don't like that they don't prepare you for. Yeah, I should say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, a lot of one of the biggest challenges was like, I guess that the time that I figured out that I wanted to be a doctor um, made everything a lot more challenging. I think because, like, I I started working in high school, um, and thinking about that and seeing how much I could contribute to the household was just like. It was hard to go to school. Mm -hmm. It was hard to just be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like money doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. And so during community college, like I really had amazing jobs. I really loved my jobs. I was like a teacher's assistant during the day. And in the evening, I did like this retail job. And like I love fashion and I love like dressing up. And so that like really combined a lot of like creative things that I enjoy. Um, and so like having those two jobs, like I didn't care about school. I was doing it really just like almost out of obligation at that point. Um, it wasn't until I found out like what my passion was exploring all these majors that I was like, no, this is really dope. I want to continue doing this. Um, and also like connecting with mentors at that time that really made me focus and be like, okay, like I have to do this. Like, yes, the money's good and I can like provide for my family now, but what about in the future? And so really making that decision to say like, all right, like let's think about the future and what, what I can provide in the future. And so, um, yeah. So during that time, though, it was like trial and error. Like I have F's on my transcripts. I have D's on my transcripts. Um, but then once I transferred, once I found my passion transferred to Riverside, I was like kicking ass. Like I like because it's what I like to do. It wasn't really because like I wanted to get somewhere, but it really was like I really enjoy doing this. Um, but when I started figuring out like, oh, maybe medicine's for me, this and that. There's so many counselors out there that are just like so ready to tell you you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't try. Like, your GPA does not count. Like, mm -hmm. it's not going to be enough. Um, you're going to have to do this well on the MCAT. If you don't, like, forget about it. And like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of these things, like, they're just so ready to say these things. <laughs> and like, I, and it, it wasn't just me. It was like everyone around me had like experienced that. And so I think um, it's like getting over that hump and saying like, I can do this. And so that's me going and doing the post back to, you know, kind of prove to schools like I can do this. Like I just was busy and like not focused, but now I am. And here I am. Like these are my grades to prove that. Mm -hmm. um, and so really just like honing in on that and going through that um, was, yeah, a really big challenge. But I think I learned a lot from that and what I wanted to do in medicine because of that. I think like further wanted me to like continue mentoring and doing all these things because I saw just like how unforgiving the path to medicine is mm -hmm. um and like you can do things but you have to really search for them mm -hmm. like you have to search for post back you have to search for like mentoring you have to search for things they're not like just willingly offered mm -hmm. to everybody mm -hmm. it seems like all of us had people tell us that we can't do this, mm -hmm. but look at us all here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got them. Best medical schools <laughs> in the country, mm. and thriving, mm -hmm. and thriving. happy, happy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just crazy. I'm wondering why. <laughs> what are people looking at? Why do they think that we we can't do this? I'm I, a part of me almost wonders if they just struggled so much themselves that they feel like, oh, you know, nobody else can do it unless they do it the exact same way that I did, or something like that. Because mm -hmm. the way that um, so many people I know and like lots of women of color like are, are told that they that they're not going to like ever make it, mm -hmm. it's crazy to me. And yeah. I'm just like, who? Why are you sharing? Like, why are you spreading these lies? Mm -hmm. it, because they're straight lies, and yeah. people mm -hmm. can do it. And you don't have to have a perfect MCAT score. I took the MCAT mm -hmm. twice, um, and still didn't get like an amazing yeah. score. I have friends mm -hmm. who got like 95th percentile. Like, ugh. <laughs> didn't Shut do well enough up. and i was like wow well you still scored like five points <laughs> higher than me and I'm like you know what i mean and i'm just like oh, i like wh who is setting these um expectations right. and telling us that we're not going to amount to anything mm -hmm. like it honestly breaks my heart when i hear that because 
I think that definitely set like sort of the imposter syndrome in me. Like, am I going to be able to, like, you know, everyone's telling me that I can't do this or that I need to apply to 40 medical schools because 40. yeah, at mm-hmm. Harvard, they literally tell you like apply to 40 just cause you never yeah. know. It's like, you know how much money it costs to, to <laughs> apply to 40 medical schools? Yeah. I didn't end up applying to 40, but like I applied to like 30 you something. Did, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was, cause I was like, they had me scared out of my mind that I wasn't mm-hmm. going to get in anywhere because like, you know, like, your science GPA is a little bit low or like, you know, Mm -hmm. you you only did research in this for that period of time. Mm -hmm. Or when they heard that, like I had a publication, Oh, you have a publication, like lead with that, lead with that. And it's like, well, I mean, the publication was really cool, but there's also a lot of other things that I did or that I Mm -hmm. I appreciated. Mm -hmm. Just really interesting to see what people value um, and how women of color can be discouraged from ever getting down that path Mm -hmm. um, to become physicians. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know what? That's why they need us mm-hmm. to us. be mentors to other people yeah. so that we mm-hmm. can let them know that they can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have the perfect GPA, the perfect mm-hmm. MCAT score, mm-hmm. uh, publish 18 things, you know, mm-hmm. in JAMA just to <laughs> just to get into medical school. Like, JAMA. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they're like, oh. Shout out to JAMA. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I have friends who it's like, oh, yeah, like three publications like while I'm in college and I'm like wow like right I worked in my lab for like a year and a half and then was like this this ain't the one <laughs> not for me like I can't just be Facts. doing this pipetting stuff all day that like hit, I like... don't care I really truly don't care and it's if you do care I mean that's amazing good for you we need we need researchers and all that mm-hmm. um but it's just really interesting to see what sort of narratives are mm-hmm. perpetuated in mm-hmm. medicine and which narratives are um, hidden and not yeah. told because mm. there are so many other narratives yeah. you can go to community college and not know what you want to do for some years and just work in retail and do other things until you figure out that you want to become a bioengineer and mm-hmm. be a badass you can be into community organizing and starting a nonprofit and just like empowering women and young girls to you know have their voices heard and like make themselves known or you could be like me and just sort of like be on this path but question it and you know, explore other things. Like there's not like one right way to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but all of us found a way mm-hmm. to get to where we needed to be, mm-hmm. yeah. which mm-hmm. is in medicine where we need to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And we continue to, I think people continue to question us. I remember when we started this podcast and we just like, yeah, we've done like, just like random ass shit. That's like, we've started the freedom um we started something called the freedom school for intersectional medicine and yeah, health justice bernie um, nicole are really cool guys. intersectionalmedicine.org <laughs> nicole and i founded that and um we yeah and we started this podcast and like every step of the way when we told people mm-hmm. like yeah we're gonna we're gonna start this and we always get people who are like do you really have time for that though like you're a medical student and there's like this like feeling that you always have to be stressed as a medical student and like Mm -hmm. that's like only going to be your life and like you have to kind of fit in that and if you're not fitting into that then you're not working hard enough like it's very interesting to kind of like see those negative opinions still exist as we're going along this journey and I'm still trying to be like but I'm still trying to find myself I'm still trying to create myself and we're recording this podcast at 8 o- eight p.m. on a school night, and, like, I'm going to show up tomorrow for school <laughs> mm-hmm. and kill it in class. Mm-hmm. Like, what are, you, what are you trying to say to me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Laura Lacker, this Instagrammer, <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, one of my favorite Instagrammers. I'm sorry for bringing this up. But she's just a really dope woman of color in medicine. And she said, she said something along the lines in one of her posts that, like, the people telling you that you can't do it are the people that couldn't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So, like... Just because they feel like, oh, you can't have a life in medical school. You can't do that. I'm sorry, sir. Just because you couldn't have a life (laughs) in medical school doesn't mean that I can't have a life in medical school. Like the people that are trying to discourage you the most, it seems, Mm -hmm. are those who weren't able to accomplish it themselves. Because if you if they were able to do it themselves, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's perfectly normal. Oh, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Keep doing that. They'd be encouraging you. So I think we have to like take those things with a grain of salt. You know, the people telling Mm -hmm. you that you can't. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, so you couldn't. Yeah. So you're telling me that I can't, Mm -hmm. but I know that me and you are not the same. Mm. We are not the same. Mm -hmm. And the goals that you set for yourself are not the goals that I set for myself. Mm -hmm. And if I want to make this happen, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome because I think like most of the women of color we have already interviewed 
say that it's possible and mm-hmm. that actually that is what's keeping them grounded in this like whatever part of the journey that they're in is like this like being able to do other things mm-hmm. that drive you that help you figure out who you are and what that means and like also that you change so you have to constantly be figuring out who you are and what you like what things mean to you mm-hmm. um i think that that's just like really awesome mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we have like a list of topics on this whiteboard that we, <laughs> <laughs> that we that's why it sounds so smooth y'all but <laughs> ooh, things that things in medicine that frustrate us I so know that Bernie has a laundry list. I have a laundry I list. Say, so check y'all out can her start. Twitter and you probably can find <laughs> at two Bernie three Lim, things. Y'all. At Bernie Lim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> follow up or follow. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to start? Do you have things? Yeah, ooh, in medicine that things in medicine that frustrate us. I mean, it's like, you know, it's. I think what we came to a consensus is is like we need to. We are here for a reason, and we're here. I think what resonated with all of us is that we're here to further what it means to be human and what it means to heal and recognize that um we as doctors have the power to do that and are are in a on are in a particular position of power to do that um and don't take that for granted and i feel like oh man what frustrates me about medicine is (laughs) there are a lot of things but (laughs) i feel like hmm uh, i'd say the first thing is just that um I think a lot of times medicine, you know, I I think about do doctors really, um, can they fix everything? And I think there's a common perception in society that being a doctor is a noble profession and we like know a lot, therefore we can fix anything. And I think what really bothers me about medicine right now is that I think we're moving towards, we're moving away from it a little bit, but it's still not radical enough for me. I feel like we're still very stuck, again, on this biomedical model where we see mm-hmm. pa- patients as bodies of disease, and especially for communities of color, we see them as, um, you know, when we learn things in pathophysiology, you're always going to see that communities of color, underserved communities are always more likely to, you X, know, XYZ. XYZ. Mm-hmm. It's like a standard narrative for almost like every pathophys thing. And... Right now, the only way that medicine in medical education is really acknowledging that is through, you know, medication. We've also gone through this dangerous route now of genetics being, you know, the people, race having genetic basis. And therefore, like, we only need a 23andMe and then we can cure, like, all of your different diseases. And it's like so many of the diseases, again, like you said, EVA, in your um, journey is that this person has a context, this person has a story. And um, as doctors and in medicine, like we, I feel like are still not taking enough steps to integrate that into our education Mm -hmm. and really acknowledge that continuity and that bigger context when we interact with patients. And, you know, there are so many clinical guidelines out there that are honestly just violent because they just really see medication or um, surgery or biomedicine as the only way to uproot this disease when, you know, that person is going back to a house of poverty or that person is going back to a community that doesn't have any access to clean water or good or like any healthy Healthy food. food. Like that's, we're sending them back to these impoverished conditions um, and Acting like the medicines that we give are going to fix exactly. all their problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's something I always, like, go back and forth with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a similar thing like, in terms of, like, it being so, like, biomedical. And as I shared in my story, I think that there is, yeah, there's context for everything. And I think, like, when we don't investigate, like, the context and like, really put ourselves in that person person's shoes, um, and just like try to understand what things that are going on that affect them. Like we're not, we're doing them a disservice if we're not doing that. Like Mm -hmm. we should be doing that each and every single time. Um, And yeah, it's really sad to think that we just think of like, oh, this is your disease. Oh, here's what you take. Oh, Mm -hmm. here, do that. Go to the pharmacy, pick this up. Like there are so many other ways that we can get to know them and understand what these stressors are and figure out ways like connect them to different like 
resources that can possibly help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important. And I think there are physicians who are doing that, but I just feel like there's definitely many that do not do that and <laughs> just say like, oh, you know what? Like you're having this problem because you don't work out enough. So, you know, mm-hmm. lose some weight mm-hmm. and then get back Oof. to me. Oof. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> you know how many things to be causing this person's weight gain? Like right. you already mentioned like access to healthy food. Maybe they are a single parent and don't have the time to, like maybe, mm-hmm. they, maybe they're a caregiver and like mm-hmm. need to offer, provide 24 hour care for a loved one. Like mm-hmm. there's so many things that are going on that people don't consider and that's like so frustrating mm-hmm. because it's like so crucial so, I know. to yeah. their well-being and their mm-hmm. healing and their just yes mm-hmm. their quality yeah. of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's the same similar yeah. similar vein yeah i think mine is similar but like when i thought about it it was just like the length of these doctor visits like how did uh, we get here right like 12 to 15 minutes oh no 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 and we're supposed to like Mm -mm. figure out what we can do Mm -mm. to hold space for one person in Mm -mm. 15 minutes and like what Mm -hmm. at what point did doctors agree to that at what point did the consumers agree to that and like where are we now Mm -hmm. you know like and it really is just what you were saying but like it just like one example of it is Mm -hmm. just like yeah how am i supposed to know how to help this person in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. for them to tell me their entire life in 15 minutes and like Mm -hmm. build a relationship in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, actually, so I was talking to my coach, which is like a thing we have here, basically someone that you um, sort of teaches you different like medical skills and things like that. And so I decided to shadow my coach today and she's a geriatrician and we wanted Mm -hmm. some home visits and I was, which was really cool because one, I love elderly people. So <laughs> shout out to geriatrician. I was so happy. Yeah. And also being in their home completely changes the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in the office, the patients are coming into like your clinical space and it's like they're the outsider. When you go into their home, you're the outsider and they have the power. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting though because they, I feel like they show a lot of, um, like they appreciate being in their own home. So I think they're very kind to the physician and they were very kind to me as well. Um, but we were in those home visits and those home visits got to be a lot longer. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. We really got to talk a lot to the patient and their family. Um, and then I was asking my coach about her office visits and she said that her clinic visits are actually 30 minutes per patient, which is like, wow, 30 whole minutes. But like, that's actually good. And then for her new patients, it's an hour. So I was like, that that really inspired me. I was like, wow, you get mm-hmm. to meet with your mm-hmm. new patients for a whole hour. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, that's it's a, very generous. So I definitely don't think that's the norm, but I definitely think that depending on like what space you're in, maybe that say. can be mm-hmm. navigated. Mm-hmm. That definitely would be something that I would advocate for. And yeah. like, if I do work in an outpatient clinic, trying to mm-hmm. find out like how I can maximize my time with the individual because mm-hmm. those little 15 minutes, that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just that's gonna be just like starting yeah. the, the yeah. physical like yeah. you know what I mean like you're not gonna yeah yeah, yeah. and so I'm just gonna prescribe medication and then medication for the side effects of the medication exactly right. just gonna like right. continue down mm-hmm. this cycle yeah and I think I feel like the hospital systems or clinic systems that do have that 30 minute one hour kind of thing is that those are a lot of those systems are not for the communities that need the most mm-hmm. or True face the most complex chronic conditions so oh, it's yeah. like bruh <laughs> yeah like these um hospital systems and clinics in communities that you know they're really going through a lot like they are the, really the ones who need that hour appointment mm-hmm. but they're honestly the most resource limited the most cash strapped mm-hmm. the most dependent on like outside sources that dictate their own agenda mm-hmm. and yeah, they're not they're not given the actual resources that they need to address the complexity of the lives that really need it most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what's scary is like what you spoke about with your family and like how you have the skills to communicate in these environments and it was still difficult. Mm-hmm. Like how could we get patients to like advocate for themselves from these communities while like we ourselves are having difficulty doing it? Mm-hmm especially when they don't have the health literacy, mm-hmm. they, uh, they can't speak the language, they don't have a translator. Like, it just, there are so many, so, so many obstacles mm-hmm. to people from getting the help that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, ooh. Yeah. Oof. We got a, little... a, lot, a lot of frustration. <laughs> let, let's shake it off. Yeah. Shake, shake it, it off. off. Um, things that excite us about medicine. 
How things that give it? us hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What gives us hope? I'm excited for a new generation. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah. I think my class at UCSF is, like, the first to have, like, more women than men. So I'm excited just for mm-hmm. having, like, more women in medicine. Um, excited for more, like, women of color that I know, like, not that there aren't already some, but just... I feel like times are changing. Times are changing. And yeah, that's <laughs> things really, rearranging. Really dope. Ooh, things rearranging. Sing it, <laughs> Sing it girl. Um, no, I, I think it's just really cool to know that I feel like I'm surrounded by really incredible classmates um, who are very knowledgeable and very considerate and very compassionate and really care about um, making it very like patient centered. So I'm excited to see medicine go in that direction. I believe it's going to go in that direction. Mm. I believe I believe it. That's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to happen. I'm speaking it into existence. Um, so that's something that excites me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think for me, it's like the kinds of connections you can make with people through medicine. I think that that's beautiful. I think that like, yeah, it's just so exciting to like really – truly believe that people can heal themselves and like making that connection to like try to make that possible Mm. um and like work with them in the ways that we could to do that and I think like yeah I'm just like so excited for that future to like finally come together Mm -hmm. with like people's natural ability to heal Mm -hmm. yeah I guess adding on to both of what y'all said I think as we introduce a new generation that I think is more diverse, has more talents, has more non-science, emotional strengths. Um, We bring in, yeah, a whole new interdisciplinary mindset to medicine that is beyond science. And the current reason why I'm frustrated is because we have to operate in this shitty ass system. Like I have to (laughs) to learn your shitty medical education. So until I rewrite the textbook, but (laughs) she said, until she rewrites it, speaking Mm -hmm. it into existence. She said 2019 is the year of manifestation. (laughs) I love it. Um, yeah, but I think on, even on a personal level, like when I, envision like how do I want to practice medicine in the future like to be honest I think you know I'm not only going to be a practicing doctor and that's one of the things that really drew me Mm -hmm. into medicine in the first place is that a lot of my mentors are just like badasses and like not only medicine but they do government they do entrepreneurship they do art they do and they like get to schedule their own week according to all of that and really just center again in what it means to heal and be human but know that health is at the center of the uh, center of it all like the physical maladies that we see and people are um just like a manifestation of like what's really bothering them in their spirit and their soul and so not only do we have that insight as a physician but like people in government as they make policy need our insight like Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. who create new businesses and interventions like on that level need a people insight and we can be that and I feel like for me that's really essential for me to always be that multidisciplinary person where I see like two days of the week like I'm like giving I'm like helping a mother give birth and then like (laughs) other days of the week like I'm running this new initiative for young women of color and like them living healthy lives on the statewide level. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to the new California Surgeon General. Did you see new that? black woman? Yes, mm-hmm. amazing from SF, and she like does a lot of like adolescent health work. And you know, I just feel like there's so many different ways that my impact as a doctor can be seen. And I'm really beginning to feel that from this generation that like we are bridging, we are being that bridge. I was about mm-hmm. to say that exact word. I was gonna say, yeah. we are the bridges, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we embody that mm-hmm. and yeah. we've experienced that before we even came into medicine. Like, again, like for, we're all first generation doctors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't have any blueprint to go off of or like any hidden curriculum that like was passed on to us like we had to go search that shit out for ourselves or also or also like fall flat on our face Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) try to figure it out so like we will make sure that the next generation does not have to like fall flat on fall flat on their face Mm -hmm. like we will create like pipelines 
that allow for more women of color, people from underserved communities to be in these institutions because like we know what it feels like and we like we are not I, I don't know how y'all feel but I'm just like do I really gotta do that 100 hour work week as a resident like <laughs> y'all really haven't advocated for me yet like <laughs> <laughs> who's fighting for us <laughs> I was like I'm not gonna do that to the next generation like what are y'all doing mm. but like I really see that accountability in this generation and I feel like yeah that gives me energy it's a lot of work. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. But it can be done. It could be done. It needs to be done. It has to be done. Mm-hmm. It has it's to be us. done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on, on us. Yeah. Yes. And we will do it. We will. Yeah. yeah. We'll bear that weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>